Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And we're also streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. If you are new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. You can keep up with us by following and liking our page on social media. You'll find us at Radio Islam, at Radio Islam. Uh, and you will also be able to catch up on those episodes uh, that you may have missed wherever you get your podcast. So if you're on SoundCloud or TuneIn, iTunes or Google Play, uh, you will find us at Radio Islam. Uh, that being said, if you would like to um, interject throughout tonight's uh, conversation that we're going to get into uh, in a few minutes after we... Um, we're gonna we're gonna actually start out with our jobs report, uh, but after that, if you uh, if you'd like to make a comment or have a question, anything that you'd like to share, you can do so by giving us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. And before we actually before we get into this jobs report, because it's just really heavy on my heart and on my mind, and I'm sure for many of you who are aware of the uh, the inexcusable. Uh, loss of life uh, that has taken place. It was mentioned by um, Ibrahim in the news update uh, that has taken place um, uh, in Palestine uh, at the hands of the uh, at the hands of uh, Israeli defense uh, forces. Um, our prayers are with them. And to quote uh, to quote a tweet that I saw earlier today, and the quote was, "Where are the, where's the hashtag for uh, pray for Gaza?" Right. Uh, we're going to actually get into this. This is I'm just giving you a preview. Tomorrow's show, tomorrow's discussion, we'll be uh, talking in depth about the Nakba and, and talking about uh, recent events that have taken place. And just, uh, yeah, we'll be having that conversation tomorrow. But we're going to start off tonight's show uh, with our jobs report that we do. Uh, it's a weekly report that we give with the um, help of our friends over at the Chicago Urban League. And we talk with employment specialist Kimberly S. Pearson, who gives us the rundown of what resources, what, uh, what hiring events are going on. So we're going to go ahead and go to that, and then um, we'll take a short break, and we'll, be, we'll get into our conversation. Uh, Kim, do we have any on the line? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, you see, uh, it's busy here as well. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what do we have going on this week? Yeah, I have some uh, great announcements and uh, job opportunities for people who are looking kind of across the board. So first up, I have with Catholic Charities, um, they have several openings at this time. Um, they're looking for um, the family support workers. They're looking for mentors. They're looking for program coordinators. They're also looking for maintenance staff, for cooks, and also service workers. So there are a ton of positions at their website if uh, anyone's interested. They can visit catholiccharities.net and uh, view the full job descriptions and uh, get the details and requirements for each position. Securitas, that's the security company that we see um, on a lot of the local public transportation uh, at the bus stations, terminals. They are having a hiring event this coming Friday from 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. at 150 South Worker Drive. Uh, their positions pay up to $15 an hour, must be at least 20 years old and be able to pass a drug and background check. Um, and when you attend this event, you must bring two 
resumes and two forms of ID. If you're interested in applying ahead of time, you can do that at SecuritasJobs with an S dot com and do that. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, or what they're locally known as in the city, as the MacArthur Foundation, they're looking for a communications officer. And this new position, you're joining a team of communication officers reporting to the director, and this person would be responsible for managing communications, creating and implementing strategic communication plans, and um building the portfolio for MacArthur Foundation and all their pragmatic work. Candidates should be willing to work on communications for any MacArthur program, so you need to be versatile. And you can apply for this job at MacFound, like MacArthurFoundation.org, forward slash jobs. And the thing with this position, it's a lot of uh, it's a, it's the job description is actually three pages long. I'm just giving a, a very brief blurb. But when you submit your resume, you will also be responsible for submitting a cover letter outlining your strategic communications experience, of course, the resume, and then two writing samples that's relevant to this position. So it's definitely got to be somebody that's on their stuff in communications. And, again, that website is macfound.org forward slash jobs. Brookfield Zoo, one of our favorite partners, is looking for a manager of facilities. And this person is responsible for managing the construction and maintenance of the entire 216-acre park. And they are also responsible for managing a team of unions craftsmen. Um, <clears throat> one of the big requirements is you must have at least seven years of experience in facility operation, maintenance, and management of small and mid-sized construction projects five years of supervisory experience, and um, and that should be in addition to two years of supervising union employees. So another position with a lot of requirements, um, anyone who's interested can visit cvs.org forward slash careers, and CDS, or CZS stands for Chicago Zoological Society, and you can look for manager of facilities at their website. And then we have a lot of things happening here at the Urban League. So just really get our communities empowered. All right. Uh, Radio Salon family, uh, this is a standalone segment. So you can go to our uh, SoundCloud and you can pick this up, listen to it. Uh, you may not be looking or you might be looking. If you're looking for a job, great. But if you're not, share it with somebody who is. Uh, the segment is about, it's about 10 minutes long, uh, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, NBA Muslims founder and editor Layla Abdullah-Pulos, and we're going to get into our discussion for the night. People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can. Because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later. And you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is Sarah. 
and I'm going to get started today. We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your I excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and the station. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. Remember, you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Uh, that's the same handle you use to catch up with those episodes that you may have missed. Wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Google Play, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. I think I said Radio Islam earlier the first uh, opening segment so i've corrected myself at radio islam usa so anywho uh we are joined uh we are joined right now by mba muslims founder uh editor um leila abdullah uh she is she has been my entry my doorway into muslim fiction a genre which i was not familiar with uh, prior to our first conversation, which was uh, maybe, what, three months ago, three, four months ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah February. Right, yeah. So, alhamdulillah. Uh, welcome, and thank you for being here. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me back again. <laughs> well, it's always good. Always good. Um, so, we are talking about uh, another a selection, tried and tested, by Um uh, Juwaria. And this book touches on so much, and I, I hate, I hate that I'm only halfway through the book, right? Yeah. But I'm really, I'm, I'm really enjoying it for a, a number of reasons. But it touches on a topic that we don't. Um, it touch, well, it touches on a whole lot of topics, right? Uh, and one of those is domestic violence, mm -hmm. right? Um, and first, why don't you tell me? Well, no, I, I'll say this first. I'll say this first. One of the reasons that I really am enjoying this book, it feels like I feel a connection, an immediate connection. It feels like like home, if that even if that makes a sense. Uh, I just I just um, I just gravitate to the descriptions, to the family dynamics, to the real um, real issues that are being talked about. We're talking about substance abuse. We're talking about um, you know uh, dysfunction 
you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about domestic violence. But what I'm going to let you go ahead and set up the the DV piece that people might not be might not really be aware of or sensitized to. Um, because when we talk about domestic violence, we are normally thinking in terms of just one dynamic, and that is mm-hmm. of, of about women being abused. Mm-hmm. So, well, like you said, I, I thought of home as well, and Umjawaria did an excellent job with this book. There were, you know, she's African American, mm-hmm. and you can definitely sense that she definitely pays homage to her african-american upbringing this book is very much uh centered around on the african-american muslim experience and some issues that may pop up because of that so the main character is amania slash iman and so that's another issue that amania okay that's how she starts off as Mm -hmm. she stepped out on her on her dean for a man, you know, she fell in love with uh, Mateo, who's not Muslim, and she left. She left her family, she left her community, and she went with him. Right. And uh, he was very smooth at first, but then once he got her, he became abusive. And so the story opens with her leaving him. She's left him, and she's trying to restart her life and rejoin her family. Mm-hmm which is a very interesting and dynamic family. Uh, She has a mother. Her father has passed on. She has her mother and siblings, which are all a trip. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, you you have, if you don't have siblings like that, you know a brother or sister that does have siblings like that. And so it's really about what what Iman goes through to separate herself from uh, uh, Mateo, her, her husband, to restart her life, to find herself and her placement as a Muslim woman and reestablish her relationship with Allah and her family and the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a very fascinating book in that way. And she does I think, come up. Come, hmm? I think we're getting double, a double audio. Are we? Yeah. Is it, is it through your, um, it's right here? I think it is. Hold oh, on okay. one second. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, she very much uh, covers domestic violence. But one of the things that she's done that I have not seen in other Muslim fiction, there are other Muslim fiction books that do cover domestic violence, but those tend to be one-dimensional. She added a lot of dimensions Mm -hmm. to the domestic violence in that Aman herself is a survivor of domestic violence. But she also covers something that is rarely covered. I only ever saw one other Muslim author, Umzakiya, kind of touch on it. Mm-hmm. And that is when the man is the victim of domestic violence and not the woman. And mm-hmm. the way that Umzawariya set up this story, okay, it, it follows what typically what a lot of male uh, domestic violence victims go through. So it's her brother-in-law, Omar, okay? And so the story opens up with her rejoining her family, her sister Amira comes to see her, and she's got a black eye. Mm-hmm. All right? So the automatic assumption is that she's being abused, she's being victimized, Omar is a brute. And it, she reveals in the book that it's, some, it's a lot more complicated than that. But you know what? In that, in that revelation, as that's unfolding, uh, mm-hmm. there are, and, and I'm waiting to see if it, if it turns out 
that my suspicion is correct, that there may be another layer, which is, I started thinking about bipolar. Um, I don't know if Amira is bipolar or not, because uh, they, they talk, you know, they talk about how she's up one day and then she's down and then she's, you know, she's, you know, affable and, uh, and, and just, you know, uh, gregarious. And then next thing you know, she's yelling or short tempered. And I started thinking like, well, maybe this is a part of uh, this is the underlying contributor to uh, to, to that that turmoil that's existing in in her relationship. Uh, so mm-hmm. it brings in the, the element of mental health. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, I, and I know she's like taking uh, I think she, I think I, I was reading that she was taking medication. So look, look, uh, Radio Islam uh, family, if you are interested in the book, we're, we're not giving away everything. Right. <laughs> oh, but, there's much more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. The, the the idea that there are contributing factors to to every dysfunctional relationship, whether it culminates in, uh, in, in in violence or if it's, you know, physical violence or it's emotional or well, whatever, neglect, whatever the, the situation might be. They're always contr- uh, co- uh, contributing elements to it. And I'm thinking like, OK, maybe maybe we're looking at a, a situation where she's dealing with bipolar uh, disorder as well. Well, that I can understand. I mean, um, domestic violence um, is is manifested in in different ways, and there may be different mitigating factors behind why someone chooses to abuse their partner. Mm-hmm. And I think what I found really interesting was that um, just really the double victimization that that Omar went through. Yes. And yes. the way the other characters treated him. And so it's like, you know, we tend to center, like you said, we tend to center women because they are the majority of domestic violence victims. Right. <laughs> so honestly, we're not going to pretend that that's not the case. You know, it's like, oh, well, men get it as good as they give. No, societally, the majority of domestic violence victims are women. But there are men who are domestic violence victims, and they are, they tend to be. Uh, subject to severe domestic violence that may involve weapons, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, by their partner. So they they actually are subject to severe physical violence quite often. In 2010, the CDC did a study, and they found that um, 7% of men uh, reported domestic violence incidents by wife or female cohabitant, okay? And, and one in seven of men over the age of 18 is a victim of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somewhere down the line, they're going to encounter, they're going to, they're, there are millions of men in our society that are going to encounter situations of domestic violence. And unfortunately, what happens for a lot of them is when people in the society come and they look at the situation, the victim is all, 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 all initially seen as the aggressor. Right. And so they may be subject to being arrested. After, after being victims of domestic violence, being arrested, being seen as the aggressor and the abuser themselves. Right. Okay. And so, it, 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 and also there's just like the stigma attached to it 
where it's like you're supposed to be a man, you're supposed to handle it, as well as this whole idea that you never hit a woman, which some women do take advantage of, right. you know. Right. And so even Omar, when that black eye with Amira, mm-hmm. you know, the characters saw that black eye, and they had a, a, a very specific response. And so when Omar came on the scene, they acted accordingly. Right. And so in addition to having to deal with, like you said, uh, a, a partner who may have uh, 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 either mood or mental uh, issues, mm-hmm. they're dealing with that. They're dealing with domestic violence in their lives, and then they're dealing with being criminalized and vilified by the society. It was like this layer, uh, layers of victimization that uh, uh, many men go through, and it's not frequently addressed or talked about in well, society. So that's what I like that she did about that. Yeah, and it's looked at as a, you know, it is definitely an, an attack on this uh, culturally, um, I guess, accepted idea of what what it is to be masculine or what it is to be a man uh, to admit that you're in a position where, you know, where your power has been taken away from you, uh, that society automatically says that is invested in you just in just in in the fact of your your maleness. Um, Mm -hmm. And and yeah, and it's funny because I shouldn't say it's funny, but it's it's just interesting that there's more attention being paid to uh, men who are victims of domestic violence today. And it's, it's certainly, it, it is not, as you mentioned, it's not proportional to the, to, the, uh, uh, to the prevalence of domestic violence, you know, perpetrated against women uh, by any means, but it does exist. And I think, uh, furthermore, there's, there, there are not many places where, where men are able to, um, uh, to to seek help in a way that number that number one is, I guess, restorative to their own sense of of self because just mm-hmm. in asking for help, it is it is emasculating, uh, mm-hmm. and number two, uh, in a way where, like you said, you're not met, num- look, met you're not met looked at as the as the perpetrator. Um, but it's funny because in the book. Uh, um Jawaria, she, she she writes it in such a way where it seems like uh, Amira's sisters, her siblings, are aware of of her temper and they're aware that she's not she's not just a, a victim and nor does she portray herself uh, as such. So it's. I think they knew that. I think for me, what I what I uh, interpreted is that they knew that Amira uh, had a temper, mm-hmm. and even Amira herself admitted to the fact that she had a temper. But I think that's allowable when you're talking about a cisgender heterosexual partnership, where the woman is allowed to be angry, the woman is allowed to throw things, the woman is allowed to strike mm-hmm. her partner because of this notion that he's still bigger and badder and stronger than her. Right. You know, and I always mention the fact that I'm twice the size of my husband mm-hmm. and he's still stronger than me at the end of the day. And so it's like this whole idea. And men are taught that from the time that they're young. Mm-hmm. You don't hit a woman because they're smaller than you or they're weaker than you. They're not as strong as you. You don't hit them. Now, some men exploit that. 
and they become abusive, you know, like Mateo. Okay. But some men very much become Mm -hmm. uh, uh, indoctrinated into that idea, which is fine. It's fine to have that idea. But then when you're met with a violent woman Mm -hmm. and you're trained not to hit a woman, even self-defense is taken off the table for you. Okay. Because you are going to probably hurt her more. But, but there has to be proportional. Idea that you can't defend yourself because yeah. this is a woman and you're a man. There's got to be a proportional response. Um, Society doesn't have it. Right. And, and the idea of protecting your own personhood. Um, mm-hmm. Because it is, it is taken from you when somebody physically assaults you. Uh, and, and, and there's an interesting uh, dichotomy that's present because when you look at uh, Iman... Uh, or Imani, and her situation with Mateo, and how that was exactly the the stage that was set. That's how it was presented, that she dealt Mm -hmm. with this abuse, and she was looking for ways to escape it, and and being away from him, right, Mm -hmm. escaping, it, it really was about her reclaiming her personhood. So... That's to me that that has to be something that is universal. And I think, you know, uh, you know, we talk, you know, offline and I've said, you know, I've got four sisters. I don't don't have any brothers. So I grew up having fights for my sisters. Right. If, you know, (laughs) God gets gets out of pocket, you know, are you the youngest? No, I'm the oldest. No, oh, I'm, you're the oldest. So you have little sisters. Yeah, all my sisters. Okay. So so you became their punching bag. No, no, no. Not from them. But like if I had to fight other guys. Okay. okay. Right. Or get into it with other guys on their behalf. Right. I have, I have three daughters. I don't have any sons. I mean, I'm sensitized. At least I feel like I'm sensitized in a way to be a protector. Right. But I was always I was also told that I don't let anybody abuse me, you know, who, whoever it is. So I didn't I never came up with this thing about um, you give a pass to somebody because uh, because they happen to be a woman. Because, mm-hmm. I, you know, but that's why I go back to this idea of proportional. Um, you know, if I'm I'm 230 pounds and, uh, and and the woman is 110 pounds and she comes up and she's trying to trying to attack me. I don't have to use all my force to try to. I just need to subdue her. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that can be um, either I, I get away or I, I grab her. Right. But for me to to go to the, the right hook to fight her like she's a man, that's not proportional. That, that, that um, is, you know, I'm just, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be folks who, who, who see differently, right? Mm-hmm. But, but you, have a, you have a responsibility to protect your own personhood. Yeah. Go ahead. What, what, what do you think? Well, I think that it's... I, inequitable to expect someone at the time that they're facing violence to they may have the ability to kind of discern well this is someone smaller than me you know like uh, and and and, um i could do this to them instead of that to them but what if they don't what if they just have an automatic fight or flight response to violence being hurled at them. Because remember, she may be 110 pounds, but she may have a six-inch blade. (laughs) Yeah, you did mention weapons. Yeah. 
And um, even so, it's just like, you know, um, this whole idea that we're expecting a victim of violence to be discerning when violence itself just uh, 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 causes a visceral response, an immediate response, an immediate reaction. So if you're a man Mm -hmm. and you know how to fight and uh, you're in this situation where someone is coming at you, Sometimes you may or may not discern that that is a, fem- a female and they're smaller, you know, and I'm going to do this instead of that. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily fair to put on a victim of violence. And, and, and there's been plenty of uh, cases uh, in the media where men have knocked women out because women came at them. I remember um, a few years ago, mm-hmm. there was a lot. He was a bouncer. Yeah. He had to be like six foot three, six foot four, huge, like right. a wall, a mm. wall of manly muscle. <laughs> and this little woman, they, it was a whole bunch of them picking on him on the subway. I and saw that with the she, eight ball jacket. Huh? With yes, the, the eight ball jacket. Yes. And she beat him in the head with a stiletto heel. Yeah. And he turned around and smacked her, and she was flying. Now, to think that. This person who's being attacked yeah. has the responsibility to have a certain level of sensibility of their attacker. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's necessarily fair. But these are two different these are two two different situations. I think. Okay. Right. I think one is out in the public with strangers. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that that discernment or that um, that reserve of that patience it may not present itself in the same way because you're dealing with somebody who does not know you that you don't know and you don't know what they're capable of doing to you or willing to do to you right so in the 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 other side is in relationships um generally the idea is you're together because you know you have affection for one another Mm -hmm. now as a so in that situation it, it it should never be no holes barred, um, mm. but but sometimes sometimes it, you know it, it happens that way. I mean because we do have uh, inter- intimate partner violence that ends in, in a homicide, uh, mm-hmm. and and there are other contributing factors to that as well. But just I'm saying as a general understanding, it would seem that there would be some restraint in 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 a in a situation where you're talking about a an actual relationship. Um, there might be some ex- some restraint there. Now, on the other hand, like the guy with the eight ball jacket, that was complete. I, I felt like he was completely justified mm. because they. And I beat think he was restrained because he could have knocked her out. Yes, he could. <laughs> but that, that was huge. But that ties into what you were saying. This idea that uh, you know that that we promote this this thing that you never hit you never hit a woman you never hit a woman under any circumstances. So. I mean, that doesn't make any sense for anybody. There's no nation. Uh, I mean, if you take this from the micro to the macro, right, nations couldn't exist that way if they had this idea that we, n- we don't defend ourselves, right? Mm. Uh, and I think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, the prosecutor provided an excellent example because he never struck, uh, uh, hit any member of his household. Yeah. Okay, so let's look. We do have an ideal example that, yes, you can have uh, all the stresses of being in a family. Mm-hmm. He had multiple wives. 
children, um, community, society, enemies, all of this stuff swimming around him, and he never struck the women. And they, and sometimes they were a little, you know, out of it, <laughs> throwing plates and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so we can we 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 can aspire to this ideal that you never hit a woman. Um, only because if we we know that 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 can be the case, but they didn't go around beating on him either. Right, and that's what I'm saying. They ne- <laughs> they never hit him. You know, right. so in this ideal Islamic situation, there is the mutual respect mm-hmm. of each person in a family, whether it's your partner or your child or another family member's personhood, their agency. Right. And so that whole idea that that you respect that, you know would ideally lead to no one hitting anybody, okay? Yeah. But there's also this layer, and society doesn't make this distinction. It doesn't say, well, what is your intimate partner, you know, restrain yourself, but if it's a woman on the street, then you don't have to restrain yourself. They criminalize men who defend themselves against violent women all the time. A lot of times, men end up in jail because of that. And so it's like this whole idea of restraint. Sometimes, depending on the level of violence, I still don't think that it's fair to, 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 to ask the, the person to show restraint because the, the, the level of violence can make it so that, you know, you are responding quickly to it, to defending yourself, to defending your body, to defending your personhood. I think that, you know, it does happen. To men, I think it happens to women more than men. So if a woman is facing violence, domestic violence, and she takes him out, mm-hmm. okay, then we a lot of times we there have been changes in laws to value that fact. So why can't it be the same for men? Now, I think Omar, in the book, he shows restraint. So even with the black eye, it's yeah. not like he turned around and got mad and clocked her, right. <laughs> okay? So it wasn't like that. He showed restraint throughout the book because he did love his wife. Yeah. You know, um, even uh, uh, Imani, she, you said that she left Mateo, but she was still conflicted. <laughs> and w- did, did you find that interesting? I, I felt like it was, a, it was a window into the, uh, to the psyche of, of, of a victim that's trying to move on because mm-hmm. she was, she was reflecting on the good, t- the, his warmth, right. As well as those uh, situations where she felt like he had absolutely no concern for her well being, um, And, and was physically that's, the that's the way it runs. I think that one of the things that people uh, frequently uh, either ignore it or just don't understand, and they oh, that's why you always get that. Well, why don't they? Why did they just leave? You know, Imani eventually left. Why is Omar uh, packing up and leaving? Mm-hmm. Because domestic—that's the way domestic violence is. It's never all I'm walking in the door and I'm beating the beating you senseless. Right. You know, uh, you know, uh, an abuser knows how to keep their victim in their proximity. For a long, you know, and so it's not, they know what to say, they know what to do. So it's just like the conversations that when he fights, she knew she couldn't talk to Mateo. She knew it, okay? Because when she did, Mm -hmm. that first conversation, he was smooth as silk. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
But that's how they, that's how it works, you know. Mm-hmm. Even Amira, she played into her husband's love like a fiddle. She knew exactly what she needed to do, what she needed to say mm-hmm. to get to, to to get to Omar and get ready to be with her with her husband again, without yeah. really uh, 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 making any promises of any change. Okay, so just going back to it. So abusers know how to do that. They know how to keep their victims in their proximity. And even if the victim leaves, a lot of times they know how to pull them right back in. They keep them on the line. So you got to read the rest of the book to see whether or not (laughs) the tale gets her back. I'll be finished finished with it um, probably tonight, inshallah. Okay. Inshallah. Uh, Look, um, Radio Islam family, we are talking about Um Umjararius tried and tested, and one of the themes in it, uh, domestic violence, uh, Leila Abdullah of NBA Muslims and, and myself. Uh, and we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll get back into the conversation. So this is Radio Islam. We'll be right back. Okay. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey! the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Oh, hi. Right now, I'm getting a remarkably heartfelt bear hug from Smokey Bear. Thanks, big guy. Now, if you could let me down. Uh, See, I made sure there were no low-hanging branches when I set up my campfire. And before we left, I drowned out my campfire, stirred it, drowned it out again, then made sure it was cold. (laughs) Visit SmokeyBear.com to learn tips to prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hi, my name is Stanley, and I've been arrested for stealing shoes. I didn't really steal them, but I've been sent to Camp Green Lake anyway. The worst punishment a kid could get. And at Camp Green Lake, we dig holes. Lots of holes. I've only been here a short time, but I think the camp director is up to something. I'm Stanley Yelnats, and I'm covering more than dirt at Camp Green Lake. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Holes by Lewis Sacker. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Kalamine. We're broadcasting on WCV 1450 AM. We are talking with Leila Abdullah of NBA Muslims, uh, editor, founder, um, and a whole lot more, right? But um, I'm not going to give you a whole bio right now, but you can go to, um, you can check out the blog at uh, NBA Muslims. It's a, it's a Patheos. Right? Yeah, Patheos. Yeah, Patheos. Yes. Okay. com slash NBA slash blog slash NBA Muslims. Okay. Let me cut down my, my volume. I see. Uh, I got you coming out 
wrong way. Okay, yes. So we're talking about uh, tried and tested and some of the, the some of the major themes and uh, societal uh, implications that we that that we see in there, and uh, kind of turn domestic violence around. Like like we said, we normally think about this in terms of uh, women being the the victim, uh, but she uh, Umjawaria presents this in, in both sides because the the main character is herself. Uh, escape from a uh, uh, a violent uh, relationship, and her sister is actually the, I guess, the instigator or the the abuser in her relationship. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like in this vice. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? There, um, to kind of go back to one of the points you talked about earlier, how men are, uh, they are prosecuted for responding to, you know, to violence, right? But I want to I turn this around. I want to put a little attention back uh, on, I guess, on what we would consider to be the, the normative way we see uh, domestic violence, and that is usually where women are uh, experiencing at the hands of their male uh, partners. Mm-hmm. And I think that society is more accepting of, of women not just defending themselves, but defending themselves, um, you know, like going all the way uh, with it. Oh. And by that, you know, I mean where it ends up with, you know, uh, with the loss of life, where women are generally, at least the public perception, is that there's more more sympathy or justification generally. I think- I think there's some. I, I think that there's some cultural nuance to that. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, domestic violence, when you're talking about women, is part of a larger systemic gender uh, form of gender oppression. Okay. Okay. And it also can have layers as well. So you know, you think of like like society may accept more of kind of like the Farrah Fawcett white woman burning bed, defending herself, killing her husband. But she went to she went she went to she was arrested. She just wasn't convicted. The the uh, actual woman. Right. But but when it comes to and there may be uh, differentiation when it comes uh, based on 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 economic uh, spheres, especially and especially race. And depending on the the, the, the uh, overall culture in that society, so a woman may find herself uh, prosecuted and uh, jailed, and, and and even sometimes her life uh, imperiled uh, again by the court system, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because of her defending herself against domestic violence. And one uh, example, just in recent news is Nora Hussein mm-hmm. in Sudan who was gang raped by her husband and his family members, three male family members. And um, now she's in jail and she's been sentenced to death. Because, because she because she, she killed raped him. Her again, mm-hmm. she stabbed him. Right. Which again goes to this whole idea because there's like this this chatter around first of all, I'm gonna uh, not even address the whole idea of the fact that the government of Sudan does not recognize marital rape. Uh, our society does. You know, uh, a woman can say no. A wife can say no. And, and, and where Nora is living in Sudan, a wife cannot say no. But just this whole idea that, you know, she shouldn't have stabbed him. She should have went to the court system. Yeah, the court system that doesn't recognize marital rape, go figure. Right, what's the But also this, this, uh, this whole idea, and I mentioned it earlier with the guy with the eight-ball jacket, if it's a man, you know, 
you know, she was a survivor of a brutal gang rape, okay? Which her husband was the only one that penetrated her. But the other men held her down and watched, you know. And so that kind of trauma, you know, to expect someone that is that has that kind of trauma and then to kind of rationalize and think about the things that she can do when she's faced with that violence again, right. okay, is ludicrous. But that's what happens, you know, and, and with women in the society. So sometimes it may be that the society, may, people in the society may have some sympathy for the woman, but not all the time. It's a, you know, it's a crapshoot a lot of times, but they're also very much uh, uh, regarding race and economics they can, you know, there can definitely be even less sympathy for a woman. So, so if you put a black skin on that woman, you know, society is going to be even less sympathetic to the fact that she's being abused. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess um, uh, to your point, that, that clarification that there, there are uh, cultural and societal um, factors. So in a Western, I guess in, in a Western cultural um, reality there is more agency given to women in general when it comes to uh, their bodies in general uh, mm-hmm. and and of course you know we can't get away from the fact that that reality changes depending upon contributing factors so you know uh, so I, yeah I agree with that 100% but then there's also in, in Nora Hussein and her story there is another conversation that we don't have we don't have time to really get into it now but the conversation we're going back to personhood where marriage means that you have abdicated your personhood that you don't Mm -hmm. have uh you no longer have um uh say so over your own your own body when you're a woman yes yes absolutely absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah to, to be clear about that uh, because DJ Khaled very much reinforced that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you snuck it in there. <laughs> I snuck it in there. <laughs> well, he you know, did. He did. By yeah. virtue yeah. of the fact that he said that he expects his wife to perform oral sex on him, mm-hmm. even if she doesn't want to. That right there is a loss of agency and autonomy. Just right. this whole expectation that as a woman, uh, as a wife, Okay, mm-hmm. that there are expectations that you do not have a choice, right? And it's a, there's a spectrum. So it may be something like I, I'm I'm not going to, you're not going to ha- I'm not going to focus on your gratification as a partner, or it could be I'm going to go get my cousins, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna ha- they're gonna help me hold you down, right? Okay, and you're going to do this now. For 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 the listeners, for the Radio Islam family, you did a things like an hour and a half long yeah. conversation <laughs> with a, um, lot, a scholar um, with a um, go and get some information about that, because I'm, I'm sure that people who are who've heard about it would be interested uh, in that conversation because, uh, the you know, it's a conversation that people sometimes don't want to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because well, we don't have the conversations, we don't, we don't. There's there's a connectivity that we don't have, and we don't move forward. We we're kind of mm-hmm. stuck, and and there are ways for us to have that conversation, grounded in an understanding of our of our of our dean, and uh, and and being responsible uh, as spouses. Mm-hmm. 
So tell folks about that, where they can find it at. And who, who's the guest? Habiba Kande. Okay, so Habiba Kande is, is uh, a Muslim scholar. He's a historian, and he also is a, uh, an Islamic scholar in sexual erotology and sensuality. And I've had him before. And, you know, when the DJ Khaled came, thing came up, you know, I hit him up immediately mm. <laughs> because of the idea that, you know, he was Muslim, which goes into the whole notion of when you have this celebrity and you identify as Muslim, there's going to be spillover. I mean, DJ Khaled isn't necessarily, you know, um, uh, 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 there are things that he does that aren't necessarily Islamic. You know, Synonymous but, with the cultural, cultural exactly, Judaism. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, but it, it, him saying something, as someone that identifies as, as a Muslim and as a practicing Muslim, it spills over into Muslim culture and society, and it, it starts conversations. So it's, it's a very disturbing conversations. And so I, uh, across the Atlantic, you know, because he's in Great Britain. Right. <laughs> and so we, we had this hour-and-a-half-long conversation. We touched on him, but we also touched on the importance of sensual equity, you know, which is something that even in outside of Muslim culture in America is an issue. Mm. All right, so this whole idea of female agency in a sexual exchange and the and, and learning how to gratify your partner, which is a challenge, mm. which can be very much a challenge. So we covered a whole lot of things, and uh, at the end, you know, one of the things that I really focused on, and, and he really focused on, is the need for education. The need for education uh, across the board. So this is not just a Muslim thing. You yeah. know, this is a societal thing because our society very much uh, uh, subjugates women, okay, and allows the subjugation of women at different echelons in it, okay? Right. So whether you're talking about socially or even in the most intimate uh, in ex interactions, in the bedroom. You know, it's not just Muslim women that go through this. I mean, the Me Too campaign, mm -hmm. <laughs> the hashtag Me Too, just, just, just clarifies that. The feminist movement so, came about, yes. you know, as so a... So it's just like yeah. there, there is definitely, and there are definitely issues with valuing women as sexual partners mm -hmm. across the board in society. And so that was some of the things that we addressed in, in that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so and they can go to YouTube and 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 find that or go to um, yeah yeah okay so we've got a, we we're down to our last minute <laughs> I want to okay. say uh, thank you because I wanted to mention Satoya Brown okay who was convicted because she she was abused she was sexually okay never mind <laughs> we, yeah we're gonna have to come back to it next time I uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I'll do that to you. All right. <laughs> Radio Slime family, we want to go ahead and thank, uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, we want to thank our engineer over at WCEV, uh, Ramon, thank you very much. We thank uh, our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. I'm your host and producer, Tariq al along with uh, our, our wonderful guest, Leila Abdullah-Pulos of NBA Muslims. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid, and we'll see you tomorrow night uh, as we talk with uh, Imam Frederick Fafir uh, al -Din. And uh, have a great night. We leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.